Hello, and welcome to this latest episode in our Contentious Regulatory podcast series. I'm Sarah Cody, Counsel in Linklater's Financial Regulation Practice and a Contentious Regulatory Specialist. As this is our first podcast of 2022, we are going to use it to count down from five to one our top five financial services enforcement trends for the coming year. I'm joined today by Duncan Campbell. Duncan, why don't you introduce yourself? Thank you, Sarah. I'm Duncan Campbell, a Managing Associate in Linklater's Financial Regulation Practice and also a Contentious Regulatory Specialist. Now, we only have time to highlight five trends in this episode. If you want to know more, then in the show notes, you'll find a link to our full trends publication for 2022. But for now, let's kick off with number five in our list of top five things, which is that there are real issues facing the regulators enforcement teams. For starters, they need to tighten their disclosure and joint investigations processes in the face of some pretty stinging rebukes from the upper tribunal in the Forsyth and Frencham cases. And that's against a backdrop of them facing capacity constraints as well from remote working. Which the FCA responded to by really culling its investigation caseload. And last year was quieter for enforcement outcomes as well. Yes. Now, the FCA in particular won't want this to last, and we think they're going to start opening more cases again and pushing for more published enforcement outcomes. The problem is their capacity constraints are continuing. And like many of us, the FCA is no doubt still in a hybrid working pattern, and FCA enforcement is facing a resource squeeze. At the last count, they had 4% fewer staff compared with the previous year. Plus, there's always the risk that enforcement staff are pulled away to deal with urgent supervisory matters. Thank you, Sarah. And with that, let's move on to number four. And what's that? That is operational resilience. But we didn't see any OPRES enforcement action in 2021. Yes, but I think it's only a matter of time. The regulators have new OPRES rules in place and 31 March 2022 is the first deadline for their staged implementation. Yes, and I suppose that there are the obvious vulnerabilities around remote access to systems during remote working. And there's also the FCA's concern about concentration risk, which is where numerous firms outsource a critical function to a single third party. Yes, something that especially affects fintechs and challenges, but can affect any firm. And when it comes to the more established firms, OPRES issues can come up around ageing legacy systems. But firms are caught between a rock and a hard place here, I think. On the one hand, legacy systems can present risks, as you say. But on the other hand, IT upgrades can go wrong and cause real operational disruption. Well... I think you've convinced me that OPRES should be in our countdown. Uh, even if the regulators don't pursue firms proactively, they're bound to be reactive uh, once the next retail-facing out- outage happens in particular. As you say, it's only a matter of time. Let's move on to number three now, more assertive supervision. The FCA is concerned about consumer harm risks that are materialising more quickly than enforcement action can address them. So they're shifting to a more nimble and preventative approach. They've changed the rules to enable executives from across the FCA to directly exercise various um, supervisory powers. And these powers used to be exercised by the RDC. So this move strips away any of the procedural safeguards that the RDC process provides. 
That's right, Duncan. And I think this change could take many firms by surprise. These supervisory powers are really breathtaking in their scope. They can profoundly affect firms up to and including shutting them down. And they can effectively end a senior individual's career in extreme cases. Yes, and with so much on the line, sooner or later, someone is going to face some sort of supervisory intervention and fight it all the way to the tribunal. That's right. And I think that will be fascinating and really instructive to watch. But in the meantime, all firms and individuals are going to need to take a more cautious and careful approach to their supervisors, I think. Yes, you might find yourself facing the pointy end of the stick rather more quickly than you would expect. But with that, it's time for number two. And if you've been following along, you'll no doubt be wondering when we are going to talk about consumers. Sarah, let's tell our listeners what the FCA is most concerned about here. So the FCA in particular is concerned about a loss of trust in the regulated sector, which is prompting consumers to look to the unregulated sector and making high risk investments in search of higher return. The FCA is really keen to improve customer outcomes and restore that trust in the regulated sector, which would make regulated firms more attractive again. One idly wonders whether that will happen before or after rates of return on more conventional investments start climbing. Well, I couldn't possibly comment on that. But in the meantime, firms across the financial services industry will need to take a long, hard look at their businesses and decide whether or not they are delivering good customer outcomes. And if they decide they are not, to make changes. And this will also mitigate their risk of facing some of those assertive supervisory interventions that we've been talking about. Yes. Yeah, so a good place to start would be familiarising yourself with the FCA's proposed strategy on high-risk consumer investments, uh, including the impact of the proposed new financial promotions regime. But the diamond in the regulatory crown here, I think, is the introduction of the new consumer duty later this year. So this will capture firms across the distribution chain, not just firms with a direct customer relationship. It will be outcomes focused, leaving up to firms to assess how they can comply. And whilst this isn't an immediate enforcement risk, the draft rules and guidance constituting the duty capture themes and expectations that we've seen play out in a number of enforcement decisions concerning breaches of principles six and seven in recent years. So the direction of travel in terms of the FCA's expectations has been clear for a while. And obviously firms that fail to comply with the duty in due course or who can't evidence compliance will likely face enforcement. Yes. Yeah, so if the FCA comes knocking, firms will need to be in a position to demonstrate clearly how they have mapped the duty and its supporting rules across to their products and services and how they're implementing and how they're monitoring adherence to the duty. And while we might not see consumer duty related enforcement action straight away, the key message, I think, is that the longer you leave it to implement the duty, the more difficult things might become. Plus, the implementation period that they're proposing is pretty short just nine months. So it's an area to start looking at now, beginning, of course, by working out which areas of your business are likely to be in or out of scope. Okay, so drum roll, please. We've come to number one. Sarah, what was the biggest area of enforcement activity in 2021? Well, Duncan, I think it has to be unquestionably AML and financial crime from which the regulators secured a whopping 41% of their total fines last year. And that doesn't even include NatWest's £265 million criminal conviction and fine. That's quite striking. And, and will that continue into 2022 then? I think it's pretty safe to say the answer to that is yes. 
the issues flagged in the 2021 enforcement actions will take time to address within the industry. Issues like adopting a holistic approach to responding to financial crime risks and instituting effective senior management oversight and escalations all take time to filter through. Also, there are some common pitfalls around automated transaction monitoring systems. Um, Essentially, firms can trip up when identifying money laundering scenarios to surveil or when setting the parameters of rules and sense checking them or ensuring that they have good quality data inputs into their systems to start with. And of course, criminals aren't going away and they're going to continue to try and use regulated firms in their schemes. And this is also a real growth area for that assertive supervision that we were talking about earlier. So we already see the FCA restricting business activities in this space whilst firms get their AML house in order, for example. So a greater willingness to use this type of supervisory power and to use it earlier might mean that we see restrictions being imposed more often and even the FCA shutting down more firms in extreme cases. Yeah, and it will face ongoing challenges, um, the FCA that is, in registering crypto asset firms under the money laundering regulations. Yeah, and this is really interesting because it gives the FCA a method, albeit a limited one of directing the way in which firms, which in many cases are otherwise unregulated, do business. And they're taking an extremely strict approach here. Sarah, I can't believe we're out of time. We haven't even been able to talk about the regulatory perimeter or non-financial misconduct or the enormous flexibility in the application of the regulator's penalty policies. That is true. And if you want to know more about any of these topics, just click on the link in the show notes to head over to our Full Trends publication. We'll also put a link into our consumer duty resources so you can get up to speed on that too. Thank you very much for listening.